Full of Sound and Fury is a podcast for adults, by adults, containing adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Turning on noise cancellation, I think, and here we go. Welcome to Full of Sun and Fury Podcast. I'm Cyrus Morazavi of Kirkland, Washington, slash GreatSwordStudios.com. With us, as always, from San Diego, California, burdened, I'm, I'm sure, with glorious purpose, is Ariel Rodriguez. You'll have more burden than glory these days, but yeah, thank you for having me. Well, they go hand in hand, it seems. This is the last of season two. Indeed. Let's, let's frame it this way. Is this the best MCU show? Oof. Uh, it's up there. I I really like One Vision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know. I think picking the 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 champion amongst those three for me personally is just it seems difficult, but it's certainly up there. I find it difficult to separate the two seasons. They're they're well. What did the was it the one of the writers said that like they're two halves of one book? Like that they're they always design it to be this way. Two seasons. Like this is the journey in its entirety. I don't see how you could separate them. Well, you can, and they did. And I would argue they did it very well. They picked a real good, they sure. picked a real compelling part to yeah. split it right down the, in the middle. I guess just knowing what we know now, right, in retrospect, like the the story is, it, it, it brings them in a, in a, in a, it leaves them in a point where like this, this is naturally like, where you where it's a good stopping point, I guess, for his his character more than the end of the first season. Right, that was more of a a, a shakeup of a of a status quo, one that we didn't know existed prior to that episode. I mean, should I mention we're talking about Loki, or is that just understood? <laughs> I'm realizing I failed to do this. <laughs> I did it just at least expressly. Well. There's been a lot of talk. I feel like about how this was the you know kind of the end of this care of Loki's journey. I think I agree with your assessment. I don't know that it's flat out the best MCU show. It's certainly in the running. W- WandaVision was ve- was very compelling as well, as you mentioned, as was Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier was actually very brave in a lot of ways, too. Yes. But l- l- let me throw this at you. Is this the best retirement plan for one of the Marvel Studios characters up to this point? Uh, yeah, if, uh, if you, if, if you count, like, it actually being retirement instead of, like, straight up dying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we haven't seen what Captain America's up to, uh, and I'm not sure they ever will tell you, but, yeah, I think it is. I think, I, I, I'll be honest, I expect to see Loki again, at least in Secret Wars. Maybe not as a character that has a lot of focus, but at some point. They're gonna. It seems probable he'll be rendered as a poorly done CGI construct, if nothing else. Perhaps, yes. You know, they they have to. I mean, they they just unless they go, I don't know, in some bonkers direction, because this multiversal concept falls apart. But I I just don't see that happening. I think uh, I I think it's getting tighter over time. It's just he'll 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 be around. He just won't be, you know, the main character of a TV show. I guess. No, he's your Dragosil now. Yeah. Did I say that right? I always want to call it Gardasil, which is not even remotely <laughs> what it is. Although it's kind of spelled that way. <laughs> Indeed. With a Y. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought that was a cool, uh, a, a cool aesthetic note for the whole thing. Uh, also, um, the last few years, big, big time for spaghettifying people. I gotta say, like spaghettifying has 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 had a moment in in Marvel cinematic history between and the le- the lexicon. I don't think that's a word. <laughs> Between uh, Doctor Strange, Mister Fantastic getting spaghettified, and all the spaghettification in this, having a moment. Yeah, how do you spell that? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It evokes uh, that old Play-Doh toy, you know, where you squish the the Play-Doh and it comes out. It kind of gives me those 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 vibes. Well, what was old is new again. This is like Todd McFarlane's. Uh... Aesthetic come run back thirty years later, <laughs> right. thirty-five actually. Also, uh, you know that on the same theme, you, I don't know, you just triggered a, a brain cell. Uh, Spider-Man, Sony's Spider-Man Two, very symbiote heavy, also very spaghettified. <laughs> so, again, spaghettification having a moment. Spaghettified but not symbiotified. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of symbiotification as well. <laughs> uh, try to stay light on the spoilers. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Every time I see a, a piece of that game, it doesn't look like a game. It's it's awesome. Uh, it's, it's like you're yeah. living in the volume at Lucasfilm, or I guess playing a game in the volume. It, it it's just cuckoo bananas, like realistic. Regarding the Loki finale, I like the way he kind of pulled everybody there at the end, and then kind of came to his own decision. That that sounds lame, but it was surprisingly compelling. Yeah, and it shows like he gained friends. You know, sometimes like uh, I don't know. I feel like in the first season, at least at the beginning, until you, they really start to break him down as a character. Like some people are trying to be his friend uh, a little bit, and, and Mobius in particular. And then over time, you know, the relationship deepens. But the friendship, I don't know. To me. It took a while for me to like until season two, really, where they really started to solidify the idea that like they're Loki's friends and he's their friend. And I felt like what you're talking about now is a perfect example of he needs to hear their opinion, right? He cares about what they think, so he has to go talk to them and 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 figure it out. Uh, he didn't make the decision on his own in a vacuum without that input or people trying to force their ideas on him. He actually like. Like pulled them. I think that just kind of, I don't know, just another example of he had friends at the end. He really did, and he's doing it for himself and for them. His entire character arc as a villain was defined as wanting a throne that he didn't, he wasn't well suited to because he didn't understand it. And Marvel managed to craft this this tale where he you know, he comes to the realization, again, that the, the burden of the throne, uh, you know, through his, you know, all these tri- this striving against he who remains, he does come to you know the, that bitter realization that you know he's right the, the, of the necessity of he of he who remains. That part's inevitable, but it's you know it's his friends and indeed like this other version of him that kind of let him know that he can do that on his own terms, and then becomes I guess Loki who remains, or whatever the internet ends up calling that that uh, that that figure. Yeah, you know I've seen a lot of stretches like. I mean, you watch the show and they don't they don't say or do anything, right? Like uh, people are saying, oh, he's the god of stories now. 
I'm mm. like, yeah, in the comics, I think I've they've given him that that name, but like, I don't, I don't see that that personally in the text, if you will. I, I, I think it's cool. I think it's a cool idea. Maybe it's true. Maybe maybe they'll elaborate on that concept in some other way in some other future film or TV show. But I, I don't, I didn't get that as like what he was striving to be by the end. He's just trying to keep the multiverse alive. Uh, without the loom, period. God of stories, maybe. I don't know. Just definitely remain. He replaces. He yes, I was trying to interpret what the when the loom when he destroys the loom, right? And I want I want to get your thoughts on this. And then and then he goes into the chamber and starts becoming the doing the hero walk there at the end. The branches start dying, and I'm curious what your interpretation of that is, because I've seen a, a few different interpretations of why the branches start dying when the loom is destroyed. I've given zero thoughts to this. I, I thought about it a lot because I saw a lot of people on Twitter and stuff and other places, other articles on, on blogs and whatever. And like folks are like, well, the loom was destroyed. So the timelines are dying. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that was the point of the loom. The loom was not to keep the timelines from dying. It was to keep them from diverging. Uh, and it was a sail fail safe, as he who remains said in the last episode. Uh, I think the timelines were dying. This is my opinion, because I think the Kangs were starting a multiversal war and killing all those branching timelines. I think that's what the the, the false choice was, right? Like it was let the universe be destroyed, or become he who remains, or, or let he who remains stay alive by killing uh, us, uh, Sylvie. And Loki chose the other option of, no, I know what to do. I'm just going to destroy the loom. But then he does that, and the branches start dying. And I think that's because the multiversal war was happening. Because they're outside of time, so that all happens almost simultaneously. And so he starts, in my opinion, saving those branches and weaving his own magic into them to keep the Kang stuff at bay at least long enough for the TVA to change their mission statement to tracking Kang's down, which is, I think, what happened at the end. That's my view, interpretation of the few little tidbits we're left with. And yeah, you're right. He's he's the loom. He's keeping the multiverse together, but I think he's doing it in a specific way, which is keeping the Kangs from getting out of control. No, I think that make, uh, I think Sylvie spells it out in, her, in her, her final line. He decided to give us a fighting chance. Yeah. That 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 was his, that was Loki's choice, if you will. He was trying to decide, you know, do I do I do I join? Do I sit at the right hand side of the devil here, or do I, you know, destroy him with the idea that this is this is going to go bad across just all kinds of timelines? And he knows in a way that no other character does because of his his particular journey there. It's really solid writing. I mean, I, I have to hand it to the, the the creative team, top to bottom. Not just the writing, although the writing is very important, but acting, of course, the aesthetic of everything, the sets, the the way they've just kind of put it all together. I mean, uh, just really great, really great. I didn't think I'd be gushing about a Loki show, like <laughs> you know, like five years ago. I would have told you you were insane, but here we are. Oh, I did want to ask you about. What I think was an Easter egg, the reference to the the Kang situation on six one six was that a quantum medium reference? That's what I thought it was. Okay, as the only other person in the multiverse that actually seems to like that movie, I wanted to make sure I asked you. 
Yeah, it's a reminder that when you add character to hard sci-fi, you can often get incredibly poignant tales. I think this is the best example of that that comes to mind to me probably since Interstellar, which is, gosh, now 10 years old almost. Yeah, I, I, it does remind me a lot of Quantumania and that it's, uh, it, was a hard, it was hard sci-fi where, where I wasn't expecting it, but they did very well. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to answer my own question. I think, I think Iron Man's retirement journey, if you will, or, you know, you know, writing Robert Downey Jr. out really, not, not so much Tony Stark. I think that was better, more fully realized. But boy, this was awfully close. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I—I'll be honest. Though, when I when you asked the question, I didn't think about Iron Man because it felt like uh, he was put out to pasture more than retired. He didn't get a chance to grow old uh, in the in the country house. But yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I mean, Iron Man gets gets a lot of love. <laughs> Far from it's home, okay. he's he's, yeah. he's on a farm. People can't go there, but it's <laughs> it's great. <laughs> The great iron <laughs> farm in the sky. <laughs> Lots of room to frolic about. Don't worry about it. He's fine. I guess as a way of transitioning into the next topic here, I should mention we're uh, recording at the, on the end of the uh, opening weekend for the Marvels, which I'm given to understand is the worst film in the history of anything, except for everyone else who seems to love it. Do we have official numbers? Has it actually flopped? I think it it was definitely well below expectations for its opening weekend. I think, let's see, checking that old box office mojo here. Looks like uh, forty-seven million for the weekend, which is low. That doesn't sound catastrophically low for November. In this, yeah, uh, I mean, the, this the new strike, frontier we're doing. The strike was literally ended like. Two days before opening weekend, no, no star power doing any advertising promotion for the, this movie. It's a post-COVID world. Like nothing is going to bring people out for opening weekend like it used to. I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm curious to watch it. I, I. I won't go out. I'm. I'm not dying for it. I. I did have concerns. I. I I have a hard time believing it's awful in so much as every time I watch one of these awful things, I'm usually like, oh, I've been like, actually, for the most part this year, I've been very pleasantly surprised with their movie offerings. I, the idea that quantum media is boring, I just, I, or bad, I just don't agree with it. Yeah. I, so, uh, family and I went out to go see it, the Marvels, kind of a test, uh, of how, what, what a four-year-old's patience can be like for something that's not Paw Patrol. Oh, um, yeah, it went okay. She's definitely not. Kids definitely not ready. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, man. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. The villain is is not a, a Loki caliber or a Killmonger caliber. the The reason that they are doing what they are doing, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, makes sense. It's like clearly defined and not from a. You know, I think I like to think about. Um, Thor the Dark World, which I think is kind of more of a, well, there's this villain and he's a bad dude. You know, he does stuff. I try not to think about Thor the Dark World. That's interesting. You know, he, he fucks shit up because he's uh, he's a dark elf or whatever, right? And that's that's right. that. That's that's it. There's a there's a much more clear through line. People want the darkness. He brings the darkness. All right, that's his deal. What else? That's yeah. So much more like well understood motivation for the villain, but the villain is 
week, in my opinion. Uh, but it's a fun, it's a fun romp. It's fast. It's an hour and forty five minutes. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's not a heavy hitter Marvel film, but it was fun. It was kind of like one of those. Honestly, I feel like uh, Doctor Strange is similar in a way, in Quantumania in a way. It's like you. It's like a self-contained trade, right? Like it's not part of the larger run in a in a thing. It's it, it does have connective tissue to the multiverse story, uh, especially the post-credits stuff. It's just a fun adventure, and it was nice to see different sides of Carol uh, in particular. It's fun. Iman Villani, she's a star. I just I, I was skeptical that there was a whole lot to it, given that it was it was one of those situations where we're seeing where they were, it had a bad Rotten Tomatoes vi- score before anyone could see it, and you know, yeah. uh, uh, Larson continues to be a lightning rod. Yeah, yeah. Unfair, I think. I think she does a great job. Well, that uh, she's not a lightning rod because of talent. Oh, I I know, but I, <laughs> uh, it's just uh, the whole thing is just unfair i think uh for, to her well i'm gonna push back on that a little bit i think she brings a lot of this on herself you think so i kind of know so uh it's a somewhat poorly kept secret in hollywood that she's a tough hang oh i didn't know that yeah you may not know that but you do know the kind of person that even when you agree with them politically you kind of want them to shut up She's that okay. person. Okay. She's just she. She's tiresome. I see. I mean, I guess maybe folks take that into account. I mean, I just from her. Well, work, mo- most I mean, the most of the people that take issue with her just disagree with her politics. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like that that there's like a lot of focus and attention on that whenever Captain Marvel's involved, but other actors and actresses who have other controversies there's a little bit less focus for whatever reason but all that aside i defy you to name one white male actor that has any of this shit to deal with i know it's wild but the movie was fun man and that's the part that is unfair also i've I've seen a bunch of interviews with the director nia da costa and she is cool as hell (laughs) okay so you touched on something i wanted to bring up so we'll, we'll just go there uh with marvel studios faltering not hardcore, but definitely a little bit. And I, I know where you're gonna where you're gonna uh, come out on this. The idea seems to be from both media that enjoys the MCU, all the way up to Disney's once and current CEO, is they're producing too much content. I know you don't agree with that. So I guess two part question: What do you think the issue is? And two, how would you fix it? You know, I've I've thought a lot about this recently because of all the recent press. You know, my mind's shifted a little bit on the topic of making too much content. I think as a fan, I cannot get enough of it, and I love it. So, yeah, I think I don't think I've made that unclear <laughs> at any point in past episodes or, or other conversations. Um, but at the same time, I think I understand, especially post Secret Invasion. It, I think they maybe are spread too thin, and they were, you know, reading these stories about how they were making TV shows without showrunners and like filming them all as movies, 
I think some of that was cool and like it worked, right? Like one division worked, all the stuff we were talking about earlier, it, it it worked. But maybe they got lucky with some of those, and you start to see the seams with some of the recent stuff. Secret Invasion being an easy one to point at, and I I, I do think maybe they did make too much content from the perspective of they probably spread themselves too thin. And I was trying to think back what life was like in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, where we were getting like one movie a year, maybe two. And two was like a big deal, you know, Captain America and Thor, same year, Jesus. And to like go back to that a little bit or to want to go back to that from a quality perspective, yeah, maybe, maybe, and maybe that's from a business perspective what they have to do. Uh, as a fan, it sucks because like I just I want all my heroes and and stuff all the time, new stuff coming. But it may it makes sense. I think I, I think just to get a little bit more anticipation from people, focus on the quality, do things a little bit more the way that you know you need to for to succeed, especially on the TV side. I I think I think maybe they have been. Stretch too thin. They need to. They need to reduce the volume a little bit. I don't think it's a quantity problem, despite the way I set that up. The ones that are struggling do seem to have a commonality, and that we don't have compelling antagonists post phase three. At least not not all the time. And I think they just don't. They're not spending the time. They need to spend the time to do that. And maybe they just. Maybe that goes back to quantity in that sense. Like they need the creatives. They need, they need to not have X number per year. Like maybe maybe it's it comes out at a different rate, I guess. And maybe that's that depends on how you look at quantity, right? Like quantity over a five, ten year period versus year over year. I think if year over year they reduced it a little bit to make sure they, they nailed the story with the proper villains you were talking about. I think we do need compelling antagonists, not the throwaways. Which again, Marvels the Marvels is an example of one that eh, I think suffers from that. I think pretty clearly well i would totally believe it I, I almost think like this is this is the wonder woman issue like i okay so let's workshop it we go back to miss marvel from last year clandestines was just who cared but yeah who do you put there instead i don't know the answer to that question i think they could have what was the the there was the villain in uh the comics the initial comic book run that's the thing is like they Miss Marvel is supposed to be, or needs to be, more street level than she is, and I think the clandestines thing made this whole, made this whole cosmic, gave her this whole cosmic aspect. Ironically, correct, because she's a mutant, she's a mutant and not a inhuman, but whatever. In the comic, in the first run, the first like arc, I should say, it was like a dude steal, like kidnapping kids to have them steal technology or something to build some kind of weird criminal empire. I think they could have slow rolled that into something pretty compelling that was like a challenge for Kamala to fight. I think that could have worked out without all of the other stuff, but I think it goes back to they're not writing these shows like a show where you kind of have a slow build up to some big thing that you kind of you peel the onion, you you have, you know, things kind of building on each other. They needed to have this like pulse pounding like through line through eight episodes or whatever it was. I don't know. It's yeah, I agree with you. I mean, ultimately, 
Yeah, because I, I don't feel like they feel rushed for the most part. Secret Invasion is an interesting outlier in that it just, no part of that works. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not even sure whose story that is. I mean, it's, it's nominally Nick Fury, but not really. Connective tissue for other Universal stuff, trying to find a story to, like, spool it all out. Yeah. And again, it's like, okay, maybe take some time. Go back to the drawing board on that maybe it's maybe so that maybe it's only two shows this year but three or four two or three years from now okay take your time with it i, I at the same time they're trying to put the whole saga together and I, I i get it it's tough but the balance is off clearly it's a it's a very strange walk back from Iger, because disney plus is bleeding money and his solution is less content that's the Elon musk running twitter into the ground shit right there <laughs> he doesn't get it, <laughs> for sure. I mean, he recognizes there's a problem, but that's a <laughs> that's a strange way to fix it. I think they don't want to do the Netflix thing, and I think HBO Max has the same problem. Sorry, Max. Now you got to spend billions of dollars making a bunch of shows, and not everybody's going to want to watch them. But if you don't have a service that's chock full of content, you're going to lose subscribers. But you got to you got to just make it. Like even if it's schlocky stuff not as great stuff a combo of like every genre right like like netflix i think you know they're just seeding stuff into their their streaming service oh absolutely but i don't know that max is max is not is not doing that and i think disney is not doing that right they're they're trying to save a bunch of money and i think that's part of the problem. Like, it, if you're going to have this streaming service, you got to like feed the content mill constantly. And then when you start to run dry, people are going to be like, well, I guess I'll pause my subscription until the next season of Loki or whatever comes out. Uh, so, it's like, I, I, everybody does that, right? Like, oh, Star Trek's done for a while. Pff, pause Paramount Plus. You don't have you enough know, to keep me. Disney's interesting because their back catalog is deep enough and compelling enough you that. Think? As long as they don't charge the shit out of me, and oh, they're about to start charging the shit out of me, I wouldn't do that. But even so, like, there's some things that are kind of that w right way, right? Like they 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 need more Disney Plus exclusive stuff. They 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 are trying, in my opinion, they're trying to roll back a business model where they were licensing their stuff everywhere to concentrating on the service. But they can't. They couldn't pull those threads back fast enough concentrate all the disney stuff in one disney pile over on disney plus there's still stuff everywhere else it's hard it's hard and then like like star wars never had enough what stuff they need coming. they need the copyright variant authority to get in there and just <laughs> yes. prune all just that prune, shit prune it all prune it all <laughs> and come back to the sacred disney plus but it's not happening right <laughs> well you know they actually i think they they just about have though um I saw another one of the Spider-Man films that they co-made with, or co-produced with Sony, or whatever the hell that relationship was. Uh, the second one is now on there. Far from home, yeah, yeah, yeah. No way home. The one we all want still remains the goal. <laughs> and I know that you know they're 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 buying they're buying the last third of Hulu, so they're going to combine Disney Plus and Hulu, so all that content will be there. I think it's that's mm. that's kind of getting at the Netflix idea of like you have to have a lot of stuff. And so, like, 20th Century Fox, I think that studio, like, makes more stuff for Hulu than does for Disney+. Plus. But if you smunge the services together, then maybe you start to build some headway. 
Well, that'll bring in FX and um, yeah, yeah. I I, I got to tell you, I, this is that's the the kind of show we we would normally talk about here because we, we tend to go with more fandom stuff. But the second season of FX is the Bear is the best season of television I've seen in ten years. Oh, cool! I've heard good things. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. It's it's phenomenal. It, it really is worth the hype. The the first season is good. The first season or the second season like summarizes what it is to be a human being. Wow! It, it's shockingly good. It's yeah, and I, it it kind of hits on all the on any level you'd you'd want you'd, you'd care to like evaluate it on the casting, the acting, the writing, even the music is perfect. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it's really up. It really is. It, it's up there with like the first season of True Detective and like peak AMC from ten years ago when Breaking Bad and, and Mad Men were just killing it. Wow. See Disney needs that stuff too like it's over there at hulu they own 67 percent of that but it's on a different service different you got to subscribe differently like they need to they need to have this pile of uh, of ips and stuff uh, i hate to talk about that things that way for you know shows and art but uh it's tr it's true from a business perspective right i think i think you know they're, they're losing out I, I think they've got to collect it all i think that's netflix looked crazy right for spending like billions on stuff that like Nobody knew about or cared about, but they've they've seeded the crap out of like their stuff. So like most of the stuff that they have on there is Netflix originals, in a in a way that I, I don't think the, any other streaming service, frankly, has has really tried the same way. They've gotten close because they're leveraging their their back catalogs like Disney and and Max does, but it's not the same as all new stuff coming out all the time. You know, every genre. They have so much anime; it is ridiculous. <laughs> and speaking of seasons two that we watched recently what did you think of nocturne not that that's season two i guess that's a a sequel, sequel yeah it? yeah sure. loved it you know they, they capture a lot of the vibe of the first show with warren ellis not being involved and are taking it in a slightly new direction too super cool i th i think the story moved a little slow for me but it's kind of how Castlevania, uh, Nocturne for sure, if not even if not the original series. Although I think you could make the argument as well. It's really it, they really did want to build around their action scenes once they committed to it. That first season that's not really a first season is kind of an outlier because they were like, hey, we thought we said we were going to make a movie, but let's make this a series. Yeah, and, the and then it was just like younger. two episodes at a bar. Yeah, right, right. Because <laughs> it's Warren Ellis. And Nocturne, the characters are younger. I think, um, you know, it's gonna they're, they're gonna build them. I think a little bit slower. I think they're just gonna do that. Yeah, if they, they know this, the series is a success, right? That the concept, so they're gonna that they're gonna milk this one. I think my biggest problem with my my, my only real problem with it, but it's a, it's kind of a humdinger. Everyone talks the same and has the same worldview. They're all pissy, cynical, grifters with a heart of gold. It's like someone took Star Wars and replaced Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia with Han Solo and Han Solo and Han Solo. Yeah, I can see that. I can you, see you, that. You, you can't do that. I mean, you can do it. They did it. You just shouldn't do that. <laughs> Not everybody needs to be the rogue. You need a paladin and a fighter. You need a different mix of Well, how about some acid, fat, and salt to all the fucking vinegar? How about that when you're in, in your chef? Because it's just all piss and vinegar. Yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised I mean, if they dial it in next season. I think I would because they haven't done it yet. We've got five years of this to show now. <laughs> they haven't gone and gone away from that. Yeah, new creative team. I think uh, you know, it'd be interesting. The the this is all like um, with Richter being the the main Belmont and stuff. Like this is all tiptoeing on the door of S- Symphony of the Night. That game, the like probably the most popular Castlevania game ever. I'd be very curious. Well. Are they are they gonna are they gonna go for it? Like are they? Is this is Nocturne gonna be Symphony of the Night by the end? Like three seasons down the road, I'm, I'm very curious to see what'll happen. Which was the game where Gabriel becomes Dracula? Oh, like 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 one of like one of them very yeah. famously. Uh, the one of the Belmonts goes bad. Richter Richter goes bad in Symphony of the Night, but then you save him. I think you like oh, get okay. rid of the mad priests, uh, whatever, on him. Here we are, right? <laughs> like clearly not season one, maybe not season two. Uh, I, I guess it's probably safe to say like Alucard shows up at the end of season one and he looks just like he does in Symphony of the mm-hmm. Night. Yeah. So are we doing this? Would love to see it. They're unquestionably going to draw a lot of inspiration from it. So, And how about that? A video game adaptation that's working. It has been working. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the year they turn at the corner. Did you, did you ever get around to seeing watching Super Mario Brothers? No, it's still on my list. Ah, okay, okay. I'm real curious to see what you think of that. I I I mostly think it's pretty excellent. I, I Chris Pratt as Mario is just, is a very odd choice. <laughs> okay. Like it's not a disaster, but there's also an element of why did we do this? But yeah, I th- I still think that was one of the, the highest performing movies of the year, and, and it's deserved. I would argue it pays homage to the mythos too, without being hamstrung by it. Which yeah, no, so yeah, that that's now three video game adaptations in one year that have worked. It can be done. It just took a long time. Just just like comic book adaptations were a thing for we're just yeah. a, a pain in the ass for a while. Yeah, then somebody figures it out, and it just snowballs. Uh, bring it back to Spider Man Two or. What is the weird title for this thing? It's Sony PlayStation's a Marvel okay. Spider-Man Two. Yeah, there was a possessive in there. I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather than an adjective like the comic books, <laughs> like like is that an all timer? Is that was that like top ten somewhere Easily. down the line here? Oh yeah, Easily. Yeah. The first one was a top ten for me, as was the. It's sort of a sequel, sort of its own thing. It they made it. It was it's more than DLC, but less than a full game. Uh, the Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man game that that came out twenty twenty one ish. Yeah, this game is phenomenal as well. That those three games: Spider Man, uh, Spider Man, Miles Morales, and Spider Man Two, like definitive from a Spider Man experience perspective. They've also got their own universe set up really well like the storytelling is just really good like i'd argue like you could watch those the the cutscenes from those games and get a really solid spider-man story that has just enough changes to your expectations to keep it interesting all the way through the first game did that miles morales definitely did that and spider-man 2 definitely does that and miles is in this game correct Oh yeah, oh yeah. You are yeah. It, the the billing is stronger together, and you switch between them, and you fight. They they fight together like uh, it's not really a spoiler. They fight Sandman in the very first few minutes of the game. 
and that is a wild fight and you're switching between them and doing all kinds of cool stuff oh man <laughs> that's just so damn cool oh it, it looks incredible and if, if they got the story it sounds like they did it seems like it would be mega hit would we'll totally get that is it hard to pick up um like what's the gameplay on this i, I could see a spider-man game being like kind of a bitch to learn how to play there's a few different aspects. It's kind of like, uh, you remember uh, Arkham Asylum, the Batman mm-hmm. game from... Yeah, you spin ago. the whole game upside down. <laughs> yeah, right. So there's, it's kind of a, it's got a few different play modes. One of them being like just the basic combat, which is more complex than Spider-Man 2. But if you started with Spider-Man 1, it builds on that in pretty intuitive ways. I definitely recommend starting with Spider-Man 1 just to kind of get the controls and stuff figured out. Because uh, they're going to layer so much stuff on top of it when you start adding Miles. Miles has a very different power set to Peter. Uh, the Venom sure. powers in particular are like very different the way you're going to fight and play with them. But like, so the the, the combat and it sounds like the gameplay is different as well. The story that there's storylines that kind of complement and meld with each other as you go, and they're they're different. So you're you're, you're going to you know, they, they weave into each other, but Miles's priorities and what he's got going on are just different than Peter's. So the combat is pretty straightforward, but more complicated in two. And then you're going to have these these Arkham Asylum-like uh, levels where you're sneaking around on webs and crawling along the ceiling and stuff, trying to take out bad guys silently. If you can, if not, okay, you trip the alarm, go, go, go to town. But uh, it's very well done. It's so slick. It's like... I'm trying to explain the feeling of if you've played a lot of games and like stuff just doesn't quite work all the time. It's like janky. These games just don't have that. They're just so it just works every time. And it's it's never like confusing really like what you're supposed to do or how you would accomplish something or how you're going to web zip to that vent and then get in it and then crawl along the floor, rotate around to the ceiling, then web swing over there like it looks complicated. It sounds complicated when you explain it, but the game makes it so easy to follow, you know, that with the controls and everything. And then, uh, you know, Morale, Miles Morales and then Spider-Man 2 just build on that because you've got different gadgets. You've got web wings in 2, so you can you can glide in addition to web swinging. And that they've got all these different upgrades and wild stuff. Uh, it just gets uh, more and more complicated. And it, the symbiote, so it sounds like probably big bats. Yeah, uh, our boy Venom is is there. You st- and Craven too. Craven is another big villain in in Spider Man Two. Yeah, we got to pimp that movie that no one cares about. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I I gotta hand it to them again. Like this team, the Spider Man game team, and Insomniac, like they, they know they know these characters, like Craven. Is he's what you'd expect Craven to be? Acts the way you expect Craven to act. Formidable, but uh, has weaknesses too. And the story just kind of blends really well. I think they they do a really smart job of like, okay, we're gonna like what you know in the movies when like they say like, oh, we're gonna have two or three villains. You're like, what the fuck are you gonna guys gonna do? I don't understand how this is gonna work together. Sandman, Venom, Green Goblin, Sam Raimi. What are you? What are you? What are you doing? With these games, the <laughs> they're making there. me. Goddamn it! <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I only wanted one of them. <laughs> I know, I know. 
and with these games, they're like, no, Craven thematically plays on what we're trying to do with Venom in a way that you need you need that Craven storyline to build the symbiote stuff in a way that just you knew that they knew what they were doing from the get go, that it was purposeful. Um, yeah, love these games, love them. They're doing Wolverine next, by the way. Oh, interesting. Well, that sounds bloody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least if they did it correctly. See, I would want them to do Deadpool. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe they will. I feel like this is the buzziest game since outside of that uh, Breath, of, Breath of the Wild, the, the, oh, the Zelda yeah. game that was that was that was all the the buzz, and uh, Baldur's Gate, that that D and D game. Yeah. Yeah. Big. This this has been a banner year for games. I think Baldur's Gate three. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, the sequel to Breath of the Wild, came out. You got Spider Man Two, and there's a bunch of other ones I'm I'm blanking on. Other ones, but like several bangers this year, just straight bangers. I'm playing Alan Wake Two right now, which is like another wild one. Very highly crafted, very highly crafted. I'm really impressed with that game. That's good because there was a lot of it was all controversy last year in the industry and disappointment. Yeah. It, it kind of they needed a rebound year. It's good to see that they got it. It recently had cause to to uh, to miss comic stripped. Oh really? Yeah, oh yeah. So here's the here's here's why. I uh, recently discovered this podcast idea that frankly I'm so jealous of that I didn't think of myself. Uh, it's called Wizards: The Guide to uh, the Podcast Guide to Comics. Okay. And what this is is two uh, two guys two white guys in their forties, if you can imagine that, <laughs> on a podcast. I know it's a stretch. And what they're doing is they're they're going back through uh, every single issue of Wizard. Oh wow! And yeah, as a as a way to like kind of go back through that that time in the industry, which is a great idea. Yeah. The problem is, is they're not Joe and Ariel, <laughs> but they are two white guys in their forties that really like DC Comics. Okay. And I hate to be a shithead about it because it it is a, it, it's a pretty good little podcast. But they're very insular. It's very, very. They're very Lewis Lane. If you remember that Simpsons character, <laughs> and they're they're. Re- I, I I knew the co- the podcast wasn't going to be what I really wanted it to be early on. Like you know, and somewhere in that first year, when there's there's three of them, the two the two regulars and you know a uh, a special guest, also a white dude, in his forties, and they and over the course of two minutes, they all admit they've never read the Sandman. Due to due to complete disinterest. What? And you, you you just those those three guys can't make that podcast not correctly. Yeah, you've got to be able to cut across everything that's in those issues to be able to talk about it. Like you have you have to just know. It, it, I could or, give them a pass if it was like you know I've been, I've been meaning to get around to it. No, it, it was all nah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't I don't read fantasy. Yeesh. Let's, let's talk more about Tim Drake as Robin. How awesome that was! No, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really surprisingly not into Image or Valiant either, which is fair. Okay. But that was that was the big hype back then. Yes. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm reading Spawn One for the first time, and I'm like, what? <laughs> it's it's a great idea, and it's it's a perfectly okay podcast, but. Oh, it's so close to being great, and they just—they don't have the—they don't have the horses to to do it. I guess apparently, <laughs> it kills Bummer. me. Yeah, I love that idea. 
but you know they they do go like they went two hours on the Generation X uh, travesty <laughs> film from '96. Oh, I remember that. Oh, you didn't block it out. <laughs> <laughs> I had such high hopes for that thing. <laughs> oh, I, we all did, did because because yeah. we, we we were still twelve years away from the MCU, <laughs> right? <laughs> and twenty years away from bitching about having too much Marvel Studios content. This is why old people hate the young. Shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Our Captain America had rubber ears, goddammit, and we were happy about it. <laughs> and Italian Nazis, apparently. Oh, right, right. Can't forget yeah. those. Because <laughs> that's, that's all they could afford was Italy. With so they had to melty, <laughs> melty red face, redhead skull. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I've always thought that film was, like, was actually surprisingly okay. And I, I, the proof in the pudding is the first Avenger kind of follows it, kind of follows the, uh, the format. <laughs> It's a better version, but, but, you know, but it's the same roadmap. Yeah, pretty much. What else have you been, been doing? I mean, I I guess probably just Spider-Man. What is that? Only 700 hours? Spider-Man. You know, I, I mainline the, the main story and then, uh, had to do some traveling and stuff. Uh, and, you know, kind of had to set it aside a little bit and, and Alan Wake came out. And I, 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 so I, I've done the main story and a few of the side stories, but I've got to go back. It's going to be something I definitely relish for a few more months here. If I, if I can, I definitely want to get the platinum trophy on that. Alan Wake, as I mentioned, is a, is a mind trip. Uh, and that's going to keep me busy for a while. Just trying to catch up. Like, um, the, the new mission impossible movie just came out on disc recently. Um, watching that with the, with the wife. Yeah, that, that's yeah. kind of why I'm asking. Uh, I left the country for 100 hours, and by the time I got back, 27 hours of content that I was interested in had dropped. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and I'm it's, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, Ariel. <laughs> Isn't there a strike that was going on for a while there? You, I, I kept I kept thinking to myself, oh, with the strike, I mean, I'll have so much time to go and look. And no, no, it's just I don't know what how that all worked out really like what the calculus of it is, but there's, I, I, it's hard to keep up. You know, weirdly enough, the, the biggest, um, perpetrator of my situation is Penny Arcade. Oh yeah. I heard that they're doing a bunch of, uh, acquisitions incorporated stuff now, right? They've, they've dropped, they've dropped a bunch of, um, live play stuff. That's like really compelling. So I've been trying to work my way through that. Cool. And then Cr- critical role played Wembley arena. Oh, also, wow. while I was going, yeah, packed it out too. With, with a yeah. uh, um, a one shot of their 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 second troop of characters, that was pretty cool. But also almost five hours of fucking content. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, one half of the Irishman. Invincible is back on Prime Video. Oh, good. <laughs> Great, fan fucking tastic. More stuff dropping all the time, and for the holiday season, I feel like uh, just the march continues. I don't know why this came to mind, but it, it did. Like on Friday, this upcoming Friday, the seventeenth, uh, there's a whole new Godzilla, like the Monarch series of mm-hmm. movies. There's a whole new TV show on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, dropping, <laughs> presumably weekly, starting this Friday. That's a whole thing. Oh, it's, <laughs> like, it's a series. Oh, jeez. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Sure, why not? Let's do why it. Not? No, it just yeah, it's just crazy, and I, I I guess part of you kind of alluded to it. It's one part the holidays and you know holiday affiliated stuff, 
And now the summer stuff is, is getting loaded on the streamers at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw uh, into, uh, Across the Spider-Verse is now on Netflix, which I really desperately want to watch, but it's in the queue. It's great, but it's a part one of two, so it's got that whole thing to it. But or it, you know, Oh, really oh I did not know that. Yeah, so gird yourself. I'm okay with it. In fact, I like the fact that it doesn't have like an awkward fucking across this, in, across the Spider-Verse part one bullshit name. Colon, colon part one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. With the strike being over, I, I'm noticing that some tra- trailers are starting to drop now too. I saw a surprisingly compelling one for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Speaking oh, of a yeah. bear, a bear of a title. <laughs> yes. That looks, that looks that looks like it's going to be very good. That's a series that, like, I I think I've watched the first one of the new set, but not the other ones. And I know they're I, I've heard they're great. I just haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they're all three of those are good. And they keep making them. I mean, clearly they're successful. Yeah, and they're continuing the story, and we're just we're, we're post Caesar now, so that'll be a. The, the trick will be can they can they um, can they get along without Andy Circus? The the early stuff would suggest yes, but that's all like twenty twenty four stuff. I I think this year's coming to a close at least with new content. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Despite what, you, what we were just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean there there has to be like it. This doesn't seem like the strike slowed things down that much, and uh, that there has to be. I know, for example, like. Now, with all the, the dates being shifted, there's only one Marvel movie coming out next year instead of three. I'm sure like that there's that air bubble, right? That's just got to it's got to flush its way through the system at some point. Maybe it's just next year. Well, what's going to be interesting is what 2025 looks like. Will they try and shove it all back in because they'll be hurting for money? I Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me in the least. Which is or not what they should do. It, right, right? that's uh, exactly what we've just been talking for like an hour. <laughs> Don't rush the thing, guys. Take your time. Oh, I, I, I was going to go even one further. Let's let's posit it. It's all good. You just you can't watch it all. Yeah. And if you can't watch it all, you can't pay to watch it all. Yes, precisely that too. And so if both. you don't, yeah, it's yeah. There, there, <laughs> there's no way this goes well. I just I, given how how Hollywood operates. Both on the creative side and on the business side, it's not a good idea. Just chill mm-hmm. the fuck out. Spread that long tail. But they're gonna like <laughs> they're gonna locate who remains it. Just have fistful of like of content. Yes. <laughs> We've brought it full circle. Ariel Rodriguez, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, as always. Even listen to Full of Sound and Fury podcast. This episode and previous episodes of Full of Sound and Fury podcast are available at fullofsoundandfurypodcast.com or by subscription at wherever the hell you get your podcasts. This has been a Great Sword Studios production, copyright 2023.